You're listening to Seeking Change, the podcast where industry collaborates on eco-efficient minerals, which is made possible by the generosity of our sponsors and volunteers. My name is Alva Goodbody and I'm Seek's Communications Lead. In today's episode of the Spotlight Leader Conversations, I speak to Dr. Chris Greet from Process Optimization Solutions Provider Magato. He tells me how the company is taking net zero very seriously and has drastically reduced its energy consumption by using solar energy at its plants. He also shares why he thinks mineral processing has a bright future as a key part of the energy transition. Hello and welcome to the Seek Spotlight Leader Conversations. Today I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Chris Greet from Magato. Chris has worked within the mining industry in a variety of roles, from shift foreman at the Teutonic Bore Copper Zinc Operation to principal technologist with Pazminko. He's currently employed by Magato as manager of minerals processing research and leads their technical efforts investigating the effect of grinding chemistry on downstream processes. Chris, it's great to have you with us and welcome. How are you, Alpha? First question I had is, uh, with COP26 taking place in late 2021, there's now a keen focus by investors on net zero. So what is Magato doing in this area? What are your thoughts on industry opportunities? Magato is actually taking this fairly seriously. We use a lot of scrap steel, so we, we are actually a recycling company in, in a lot of ways. So we're not using too many natural resources. So by recycling scrap, we're actually helping to minimise what you dig out the ground as, as fresh new resources. We're also looking at how we can improve our energy efficiency plants, uh, Thailand plant, and I think the plant in Pulaski in the US have solar energy. The laboratory here in Adelaide, we also have a solar system and we've been able to reduce our energy consumption from the grid by about 40%, which, which doesn't equate to too many tonnes of carbon, but at, at least we're, we're, we're actually helping. Uh, there is a big push to try and minimise that. We do emit gases in, in our, with our furnaces, so there's you know, dust extraction and, and that sort of thing on, to try and minimise the pollution that we do put into the, into the environment. And we're also very aware, and it's a selling point for us, that shareholders of major companies are now starting to become more aware of climate change uh, and want bigger companies to take more responsibility for our actions. So we're, we're moving down that path to try and improve our performance. And do you think there's a role for SEEK to help collaborate on solutions across industry? Yes, there is. Making people understand that you can improve your energy efficiency by doing things, becoming more aware of what you're doing in your grinding circuit, for example, can help reduce your energy footprint. If you reduce your energy footprint, you're going to put less carbon in the atmosphere uh, and, and things are going to get better. I think it depends on where you are within an organisation as to how important this is. You Obviously, if you're the um, managing director of a company, you're probably more concerned of the bigger picture, whereas if you're frontline supervisor working in the foundry, you're probably more concerned about production. So some of the lead has to come from the top. And if, if you've got proactive 
leadership, it will trickle down and you should get improvements. But it, everybody's got to play their part. SEEK, I think, would need to provide good, clear information about what what other people are doing so that um, you can see what your other colleagues within the industry are, are, are doing. Uh, the use of the energy curves would probably be a good thing to try and try and help there. I know that they're working on the water curves as well, but those those sort of tools would help you recognise where you are and what direction you need to go, which is usually down the curve rather than up. I think one of the big barriers is when you have very high metal prices, miners tend to mine more. Uh, their cutoff grades tend to drop. And they, which generally means that you start mining lower grade material, which has more waste in it, which means you consume a lot of energy doing for not a lot of value because they know that you now we're going to make a lot more money because the, the copper price, for example, is high. It, it's, in, I think SEEK has a role in terms of offering or letting people know about new technologies like ore sorting or uh, coarse particle flotation embedded in a embedded in a grinding circuit where we're able to remove the, the, the siliceous gang before it gets into the mill, and those sort of things. If there are good case studies and seek can um, distribute them to its constituency, people will read, will learn, hopefully apply some of these things. So we know that combination is key to energy efficiency and productivity. What do you think is the impact of new technologies in this area and how do you think we can reduce emissions and the consumption of energy and water? Communication is important because we need to break the rocks to liberate the valuable mineral from the waste. And a clear understanding of the mineralogy of the ore will tell you where or what size you need to target to, to get adequate liberation for that process step that comes after the grind. So understanding mineralogy is key. You don't, for example, um, if you look in South America, uh, a lot of the copper mines down there grind to somewhere around the primary grinding circuit aimed for about 150, 180 microns. They don't necessarily need to grind that to that size. They could possibly grind a little bit coarser. Uh, particularly if they had the ability to, with, with some of these um, fluidised bed flotation techniques, if they could grind coarser, they would still be able to recover a lot of that, that copper um, and then reject that coarse gang out to the tailings dam. That would then mean that you're not putting as much of that coarse gang back into the grinding circuit where you're grinding stuff that has no value, which means you reduce your energy footprint. Generally, what then happens is they increase throughput. So, you know, we've taken stuff out of the mill, which means that we can put more fresh feed into the mill and grind or get more tonnes. More tonnes equals more dollars. So it's, it's about balancing the technology again against the profitability. There are other technologies to grind, um, vertical roller mills, for example, dry grinding. 
dry grinding tends to use somewhere around 20 to 30% less energy in grinding, which means that your energy footprint will decrease. There are obviously other things surrounding dry grinding that are important, like um, you need good dust extraction, you need to classify the stuff using air cyclones and things like that. So that some of that energy that you save in grinding, you actually use to cope with the new, new product. However, you still can drop the energy consumption overall on your plant. It, it is also very targeted grinding. Uh, in, a, in a tumbling mill, it's pretty much random. If the, if the ball hits a particle, it's not by design, it's by fluke. Uh, whereas in uh, vertical roller mills, every particle is crushed under the roller as it goes around. Uh, you only break the coarse particles. You don't break all particles, which gives you a much better size distribution coming out of the, out of the device. So there are other benefits. It also means that in dry grinding, you can potentially use less water because you, you take that product, you then mix it with the exact amount of water you need the subsequent downstream processing. So some of these technologies are they're not new. Uh, they are have been around for a long time. I mean, vertical roller mills have been used in cement for quite some time, but they haven't gained a lot of interest in, in mining. When people start to think about it, they do start to make a lot of sense because you will save energy, you will use less water. There are other technologies out there. A lot of it, it's, it's, a, it's about overcoming the fear of the unknown. Mining industry tends to be fairly conservative. They don't like being the first in a lot of cases. They prefer to come a distant third. That way the technology has actually been developed and tested by others so that you don't make their mistakes. What are you the most excited about in this area? Um, for example, advances, innovations, or any other new options for industry? I like dry grinding, believe it or not. I mean, Magato make media, grinding media for tumbling mills, uh, which use balls. And that's where most of our, the work that I do is focused. But I, I think there's a lot to be said for dry grinding. And it may, but it may not fit all possibilities or all circumstances. But for hard rock mining, I think the vertical roller mill actually offers some significant advantages. If you were then able to couple that with some sort of ore sorting technique before that, you'd be able to upgrade the feed so that the uh, coarse silicious gang could be rejected, which would then give you additional savings in energy. So you're grinding what you have to grind, not, not, not the whole bloody stream. I think there's a lot of benefit to doing this. There's a lot of interesting science that we can do around it to, to prove that it, it is a viable alternative. I, I don't think you'll ever get away from flotation as a separation technique. But you might end up actually having a better product going into the flotation circuit and better control in terms of the water consumption. So there's a lot of upside. Uh, it's just, I guess, getting getting people to realise that there's upside. I think Oz Minerals at, at West Musgrave are actually heading down this path. 
which is which is quite exciting. And there there are very specific reasons why they're going down that path, and they can address those. But if if they can do it, I think other miners will probably pick up on the idea and realise that uh, a 16 megawatt sag mill is not necessarily the only way you can treat the ore. There, there are other ways of doing things. I think coarse particle flotation is also interesting, but where you put it, where you get the best bang for your buck, hasn't yet been discovered. I think people are trying to put it where they think they can put it into an existing circuit. Yeah, I think we're on the cusp of doing some fairly intelligent things for a change rather than just more tons. So what do you think is the future of mineral processing in the immediate future by 2030 and by 2050? Oh, I think mineral processing has got a, a bright future. We need minerals. We're rapidly trying to electrify the world, which means we need more copper. Uh, we need lithium for batteries, cobalt. So all of those electrical or metals needed for batteries and electrification of, of, of our industries uh, means that we need to find them from somewhere. So mining mineral processing is, is not dead. It will continue to, to uh, grow. I don't think metal prices are actually going to drop very much in the foreseeable future as this electrification process goes on. So it's, it's quite bright. The other thing that will gradually gain more significance is recycling. So uh, we, we, we in the West tend to be a very throwaway society. So, um, and a lot of the products we throw away have quite a bit of valuable metal in them. Uh, it's developing the techniques to be able to separate the metal component from the plastic component. Uh, and then recycle that metal and hopefully recycle the plastic, don't just burn it. So it, mineral processing will probably go through a little bit of a revolution where some of us will go off and look at recycling, others will continue down the, the, the uh, typical path of how we, use, how we do things. There will probably be a bit more of a focus on getting more out of your concentrator in terms of if the recovery drops, just don't add more tonnes. Uh, there might be a bit of a push to try and understand why the recovery has dropped and try and improve your metallurgy. You know, sitting on 88, 90 recoveries may have been okay a few years ago, but now I think with a bit of effort, you can probably boost that up to 92s, maybe 93 recoveries, depending on what type of deposit it is. So, and that comes with having good science, good understanding, good understanding of the mineralogy, and really understanding where your problems are. In mining natural deposits, there are a lot of um, penalty elements sometimes with the ores. Traditionally, a lot of that has been separated out in a smelter. If we're smart, we can probably minimise some of those penalty elements by getting the chemistry in flotation correct. So by doing the right thing, we might be able to, for example, reject a lot of the arsenic minerals in a copper concentrate before it gets to the smelter where it becomes a bit of an issue. 
And it's easier to dispose of that arsenic in the tailing storage facility on the mine than having a more concentrated form in the smelter. So I think there's, there's multiple opportunities in the future for mineral processes that make it, if you're interested in the science, it's, it's quite exciting. What's your vision for potential opportunities in the future of industry? You touched that on that a little bit there in the last question, but do you want to expand on that at all? Coming along with uh, electrification, we've also got the, the age of digitisation, uh, AI, um, and all of those sort of things, which uh, I, I'm old, I'm Jurassic probably, and so it's hard to comprehend some of this stuff. Um, but I, I think if you're going to improve, well, we, we hear a lot about um, electrification. So miners are using electric vehicles. They're using um, autonomous vehicles. And I think the miners will be uh, way in advance of the concentrator because it's quite easy, relatively easy, to um, develop AI on a vehicle. The internal combustion engine is well understood. The chemical reactions are well understood. All of those things are measurable and you can quite easily develop AI for a vehicle. When it comes to a concentrator, I think the biggest problem we have in developing AI in the concentrator is actually having the right sensors to measure the things we need to measure to make it or to automate this. Flotation is a, a surface chemical phenomena, uh, yet when you look at a concentrator, the closest thing to chemistry we measure is usually pH. So we don't actually measure anything in terms of surface chemistry. We don't really measure residual xanthate or residual collector in solution. Uh, we struggle to be able to measure liberation in situ. So automating a flotation plant or even a gold leach plant is very, very difficult because we don't actually measure the parameters that we need to measure to be able to do it. So moving forward, there's great scope for brilliant young minds to to investigate what, firstly, what parameters do we need to measure and what instruments can we develop to be able to measure those things accurately and timely so that we can then develop the algorithms to describe the process and use those algorithms to develop the AI to run the concentrator. So I, I think that's a significant step that, we need to move forward with. I guess some of the work we do with the University of South Australia, Adelaide Uni is heading down that path. We've, we've developed a very, very simple uh, pop chemistry monitor, which measures some very basic chemistry, but in applying that or that data, in algorithms, we're actually able to improve the grade recovery in concentrator. So we've demonstrated it once. We hope to demonstrate it again very, very soon and in a much lengthier trial. Uh, I think there's a lot of advantage we can gain by, by having good instrumentation 
and that will then the EAI will follow. And that has ramifications in terms of getting better grade recovery, but also using less reagent, potentially less water. If we're able to measure, measure liberation on size on, on, on line, uh, we can possibly minimise energy because we don't always have to grind to 20 microns or whatever it is. Some, sometimes it might be 35, other times it might be 15. It's a moving target because we're dealing with something that Mother Nature has, has, has made it's, it's, and it's generally totally random. Could you share some of your thoughts on Seek and any potential value and opportunities that you see, um, for example, new ideas for collaborative projects? Sensors. You know, we, we here at Magato, my, my little team here in Adelaide, we, we don't have the knowledge or the expertise to develop some of these sensors. Uh, and that's why we're working with people like in, in UniSA and um, Adelaide Uni. They're uh, chemists, they're data scientists, they're the people who have the bright ideas to say, look, using microfluidics, we can actually separate solid from a liquid and using this technique, you can actually analyse that clear liquor to give you a number that might be useful. So it, it's it's really trying to talk with uh, the academic world to work out what techniques they have in their arsenal that we can possibly beat into shape so that we can use them in the, in the sort of dirty environment of, of the mine. Uh, but it's also about talking to the miner or, or the mineral processor to work out what's important to them. Now, if you talk to an operator, who, who's in the control room, they are going to put more reagent in than they need to to get the recovery up because if they don't, the tail grade is too too high, the recovery is down and some big ugly metallurgist is going to come in and, and beat them about the head for not having the right recovery. So operators will naturally add more than they need. Metallurgists will come in and want to reduce it because it's a cost, because they want to keep within the budget. The the superintendent will want to keep things, you know, we've got to hit this tonnage target, this recovery target, this grade target, and we need to do it with reduced cost. The manager wants reduced cost, but he wants all the metal that's there in the concentrate. And, of course, the accountant and, and the CEO want to be profitable. Um, so all through that, you've got different competing ideas of what's right. Um, I think if you're able to have an instrument that's able to measure the residual collector, for example, in the tail of the flotation process, you could feed that forward to minimise the amount of collector you're adding at the front. That saves money but it also enables you to give the right amount of reagent to get the right recovery at the right grade. So it, it's a holistic process. You've got to talk to the people who operate to understand what their objectives are. You've got to talk to vendors or suppliers like Magato 
to see if we've got technology that help them get there. And you've got to have a look at a little bit further into the future by talking to universities that have bright, bright people with good ideas or maybe not so good ideas that you can beat into shape to make them good ideas to help you come up with the instruments to be able to do this. You need the data scientist to be able to uh, firstly have an appreciation for the process, but also be able to manipulate the data to put it into a form that the operator can understand. No one person can do all that. So it's got to be a team effort. We've got to get over ourselves and, and realise that collaboration actually works. It's it's not... not um, you know, I've got a wonderful idea. I'm going to keep it to myself because I want to make lots of money out of it. Ultimately, it's for the benefit of, of the mining community. And you know, people do have good ideas and you can monetize some of it. People will come in and copy it. You know, that's why we've got IP and all those sort of things. But it's a, ultimately, it's a team effort. Would you be able to share some more detail on some of Magato's recent initiatives? For example, the Magasense real-time mill monitor that was launched in 2021. We're actually installing one at uh, North Parks. Uh, I think that's towards the middle of or end of June. Um, that will enable us to measure the toe and shoulder of the charge, which should enable us to basically control the mill load such that you're running at the optimum load in the SAG mill uh, all or most of the time, which will minimise damage to the shell, but will also enable us to measure the load in the, the mill, which will help us maintain the load in the mill uh, that minimises the damage to the shell, but it also enables you to uh, use the energy more efficiently, and that sh should lead to more stable operation. It's a, it's a, a, a good innovation. Uh, control of sag mills has always been a little bit hit and miss. I, I know when I worked up at Octeti three decades ago, now I'm showing that I'm ancient, it was all very much done by guesswork, really. Having, having a sensor that says what the load in the mill or gives you a good idea of what the load in the mill is it has to be a vast improvement. And that was developed um, in a partnership, is that correct? Correct, yes. We're, we're in partnership with another company who has supplied MagoSense to the cement industry around the world. They're looking to get in the mining industry, and there's a real need for this sort of technology on SAG. It will work on the ball mill, but the biggest gains are always going to come by controlling your SAG mill. Chris, th thanks so much for your great insights today. It's great to hear all about the work that you've been doing, and I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Not a problem. I hope um, I gave something that was worthwhile. Thank you for listening to Seeking Change, and we hope that you found value and ideas from this episode. 
Your voice and advocacy can help us to expand conversations in eco-efficient mineral processing. So if you enjoy the podcast, please give us a positive rating or even write a quick review on Google or Apple iTunes. If you'd like to stay informed and involved, you can tap into free resources at our website, seekthefuture.org. That's C-E-E-C, thefuture.org. You can subscribe to our regular Seek News, which features information on new podcasts, spotlight videos and events. And to join our expanding group of advocates and sponsors, just email comms, that's C-O-M-M-S, at seekthefuture.org. Thank you.